things of God. From the book of Judges this morning, the sixth chapter, the book of Judges, the sixth chapter, we'll begin reading at the first verse. And and I'm going to jump down to the 11th verse here in just a moment. But we'll read these first a few verses of Scripture in your hearing. The word of the Lord reads as follows. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And listen to this. Because of the Midianites... The children of Israel made them the dens, which are in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown, listen to this part, that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites, and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth, till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, Neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass, for they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude, for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. These are the Midianites prevailing against Israel. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Verse 11, there came an angel of the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't you love it when the story turns? And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abia's right, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress, and he did it to hide it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? Where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us. And delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Anybody ever felt that way before? Notice what the scripture says. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And I just can't shake it today. I feel like I need to preach to you this word. Wheat by the winepress. Wheat by the winepress. Could we lift up our voices unto God and ask his blessing upon the preaching of his word today? Lord, I thank you for your many blessings, and I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you, Lord, for the moving of your spirit that's taking place in this house. Each and every individual that is here, Lord, you are ministering to us uniquely, and I thank you for that. You are speaking to needs that we brought into this place. You're resolving them. You're bringing closure to them. You're bringing peace to us. 
And we give you praise for it today. Let your word go forth with power. Let the anointing of God be resident in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I want to thank all who prayed for us this week while we were at the Because of the Times convention. God truly blessed with a wonderful convention. And we're so thankful for being able to be there and to participate in the word of the Lord that came forth from every speaker. And I thank you for your prayers for me on Wednesday night. Today we're talking about wheat by the wine press. And wheat is a very significant topic in Scripture. It carries a consistent uh, thematic reality throughout the Word of God. Perhaps most notably is in the parable of Jesus when he describes that a man sowed good seed into a field. And the seed that he sowed into a field was seed that would bring forth wheat. Went to sleep and the next day it wasn't wheat that came forth. It was was wheat, yes, but, but tares as well. The difference between wheat and tares is significant, even though they look similar to one another. But they are much different. Wheat is able to be used... To make bread, grains, it is used for sustenance. It is used to nurture and nourish the body of mankind. Tares are basically good for nothing and are fuel for fire, really. They're just cast into the fire. And so Jesus proceeds with this parable and explains that that, that the servants looked out on the field and said, did not you sow good seed in this field? He said, yes, I did. I I know the seed that I put in this field. The seed that I put in this field was good seed. They said, well, then why are there tares that have come up from good seed? He said, the tares are not from the good seed. The tares are from the enemy. He said, the enemy hath done this. He said, while men slept, an enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat. While men slept. What an indictment that while we were asleep, hey folks, we can't afford to go to sleep in this hour. That knowing the time, it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. He said, while men slept, an enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat. He said, but don't uproot it now for While you uproot tares, you'll uproot wheat with it. And the wheat is good. And it's so good that it's not worth losing one stalk of wheat over one tare. He said at the end of the harvest, when all has come in and it's time to sort through it all, there will be a sorting. There will be a separating. There will be a moving of wheat and tares in respective directions. And then Jesus broke from the parable and began to reveal the principles of the parable. And he said, so is it in the end time, so is it in the kingdom of God. Just as this seed went into the ground, so does the word of God go into the hearts of men. And just as wheat came forth, sometimes there are tares that 
come forth and the enemy will come in and sow seed that is not the word of God. This is why you've got to be careful what seed you are letting into your mind, what seed you are letting into your soul, what seed you are letting into your spirit. You can't just go consume anything and not expect a harvest of tares. Because what you sow, you shall reap. And if you don't believe that, you're deceived. The apostle admonished us to not be deceived, that God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He went on to say that if you sow to the flesh, you can rest assured you will reap of the flesh what the flesh can yield, which is nothing but corruption. But if you will sow to the Spirit, then you will reap of the Spirit what the Spirit will yield, and that is life everlasting. To the church at Rome, he said it another way. He said, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I choose life and peace. But Jesus in his parable said that there's coming a day when the harvest time will come to full fruition. And when the fruition comes, there will be a separation of wheat from tares. He's talking about us. We are either wheat or we are tares. There can be both wheat and tares in this house today. That is not for us to judge who is and who isn't. It is the Lord of the harvest at the end of days when he will gather the wheat into his barn and cast the tares into the fire. Yes, he will. And so it is that Wheat comes to symbolize in Scripture spiritual maturity. Everybody say spiritual maturity. Wheat comes to symbolize faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. And tares come to symbolize carnality. They come to symbolize weakness. They come to symbolize that which is destined for the judgment of God. So we desperately want to be wheat and we desperately do not want to be tares. Can I get an amen? amen. We don't want to be tares. We want to be wheat. We don't want to be a party to what the enemy is sowing. We want to be tuned in to what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. And so that's the basis of what we understand about wheat. We want him to gather us into our his barns that we would be ready to live with him forever, make heaven our home, worship him all the days of our life, never, ever, ever looking to the left or to the right, but keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Hallelujah. I plan on making it, ladies and gentlemen. By the grace of God, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the blood, in the authority of his word, I plan on making heaven my home. And don't get caught up with this idea that, oh, anybody's going to make it. The Bible says that the righteous shall scarcely be saved. And if the righteous shall scarcely be saved, where then does the sinner and the ungodly appear? I know that it's not a popular message, but it's the message we are accountable to God to preach. And that is, you better make your calling and election sure and work out your salvation with fear and trembling.
Hallelujah. And by the grace of God, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Oh, I ought to go ahead and say it right now. There's only one way there, ladies and gentlemen. Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I want to I be in that number. I want to be in that number. Let me tell you about this man named Gideon. Some of you may be familiar with him. Some of you may not. But I'll just tell you, if you are familiar with Gideon, you're probably familiar with the heroic events of his life. Those moments where he stood tall among these characters in the Word of God, these figures of faith. And he, most notably, took an army of 300 men down into the enemy's camp and, and, and miraculously wrought a great victory in the sight of God. He, he, he started with 32,000 men. And, and then the Lord spoke to him and said, tell these 32,000 men that if they want to leave and go home, they can all leave and go home. And Gideon thought, well, that sounds like a terrible idea. But God said to do it, so I'm just going to tell him. He gets up, he said, now listen. God said that if you want to go home, you can go home, but I know you guys, you're warriors. You guys are tough as nails. Ain't nothing going to turn you back. So who's with me? And 22,000 men went back home. Gideon was like, oh, wow. Was that God that spoke to me? <laughs> so God said, all right. 10,000 men, that's not going to work. Gideon was like, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. It's not going to work. 10,000 men. And God said, yeah, that is way too many men. We're going to have to. Gideon said, too many? And the Lord said, take them down to the river and let them drink. And, and if they drink right, they get to stay in the army, and they're going to go down with you into the enemy's camp. And if they drink wrong, then they're going home. And Gideon was like, I hope these guys know how to drink water at a brook. God said, if they just get down on their hands and knees and just lap it up like a dog, they're going home. But if they stand at attention and they're ready and they're on one knee and they cup it with one hand and they're, not a, they're never, never, never ignorant or neglecting of the enemy's advances, then they get to go into battle with you. And Gideon was like, guys, come on, we're going to go get a drink. He's thinking, man, I'm just hoping these guys all know how to do this. Turns out they were all terribly dehydrated, most of them. They go down to the water, and they're like throwing their weapons, running into the water, burying their face, lapping it up just exactly like God said not to. And Gideon looks at 9,700 men drinking the wrong way. About every 75th person or so, they were drinking the right way. And, and Gideon lost 9,700 more men and gets down to 300 men. And God says, perfect. Just what I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be something that you would know by the time the victory came, it was all God's doing. Hey, friend, don't despise the day of small things. 
Hear me now. Don't get worried. I know it's our tendency to get worried when stuff starts dwindling. It's our tendency to get worried when we start losing things we think we need. I know it's our tendency to get worried when people turn their back on us and walk away in the other direction. But God said, no, no, I'm in this. I'm in this. I'm going to bring great victory to my people. Anybody that believes it is God's will for you to have victory, You ought to praise him right now. Don't wait till the battle's over. Shout now. Praise him now. Thank him now. Gideon goes down into the enemy's camp with 300 men and he has with him these pitchers and inside the pitchers are are lamps of fire but you can't see the fire because they are inside the pitcher. And the Lord's instructions were to stand out on the hillside and to, to break all at once, break that pitcher, shatter it, and shout loudly the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And that when you do that, the light is going to illuminate the night sky. And Gideon did it, and sure enough, God was in the strategy. God was in the directions. God was in the whole thing. And the enemy was driven out. And Gideon and his men, those 300 men, pursued them and won the victory. I'm talking about Gideon, a mighty man of valor. But that's not how our story starts. That's how we know him. That's, that's how we preach him. That's how he's enshrined in our thinking. But, but that's not the Gideon we meet in Judges chapter 6. No, the Gideon we meet in Judges chapter 6 is terrified. He is living in an absolute oppression from the enemy. The Midianites are a fierce and imposing army that pushes Israel around like they are their masters. And they just... They have absolutely no wherewithal to combat the Midianites. And the Israelites, they have nothing of their own. Everything they have is subject to the whims of the Midianites. They can't sow and then reap a harvest. Because every time they sow and reap, the Midianites come in like locusts. And they eat it up. They take it away and they destroy it. They are, the Israelites are greatly, the Bible says, impoverished. All of them are living in poverty. And it began by the fact that they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Anytime that we depart from the ways of God, it is a setup for us to fall into the hands of the enemy. It may, you may think you're on to something new, but you're not. You're just falling into the snare of the fowler. You're falling into the trap of the devil. Life and peace belongs to God, and we must follow him in order to have it. Gideon, the Bible says, is threshing wheat down by the wine press. And the scripture tells us why. He's doing it to hide it from the Midianites. Because you can't thresh wheat down by a wine press. That's not where you thresh wheat. You press grapes down by a wine press. You don't thresh wheat down by a wine press. This is an odd thing that Gideon is doing. 
a, a, a threshing of wheat requires a threshing floor. And threshing floors are strategically placed. They're placed in the tops of mountains, on the peaks of mountains, the plateau of mountains. And they are flat. The surface of the threshing floor must be flat. And what the thresher will do with the wheat is take the large stalks of wheat and lay them out over the flat surface of the threshing floor. And then he'll take a team of oxen. And that oxen will stomp those stalks of wheat. Back and forth they'll go, stomping wheat. And they're on a flat plateau. The reason they have to be so high on a flat plateau is because they're getting ready to do a winnowing. And, and, and the winnowing is the process that occurs when the, the oxen have so thoroughly separated the wheat from the stalk that the thresher will then turn to a winnower and they'll grab those, those grains of wheat and throw them into the air. This is the ancient way of threshing wheat. They would throw them into the air and they have to be at the tops of the mountains because the breezes, the heavy winds from the oceans and the seas would, would smack those, those kernels and, and the grain of wheat would come down but the chaff would be driven away by the wind. So all things that were useless was driven away by the wind. And all things that were useful came back down to the earth. Everything that wasn't good for consumption was driven away by the wind. And everything that was good for nourishment was brought back down to the earth. So it was an arduous process. Lay out the stalks. Get the yoke of oxen. Stomp that wheat. Stomp that wheat. Stomp that wheat. Stomp the stalks of wheat until they separate enough. Then you grab the grain, throw it into the air, and the winds are blowing wildly and violently, and they're smacking those kernels, and the, and the wheat is heavy enough to withstand the wind. It's not driven by every wind. So the wheat comes back down to the earth. Oh, I wish I could preach it like I feel it. Wheat is not driven by every wind of doctrine. Because of spiritual maturity and faithfulness. Hallelujah. And so the, the wheat that is wheat comes back down to the earth, but the, the chaff is driven away by the wind. And that's what separates the wheat from the chaff. This is why the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree. Free, planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Ha, I want to be wheat. I want to be wheat. I want to make it into that glorious, that glorious holding place of God. I want to be in that number. I want to be wheat. I want to, I want to, I want to be with the Lord forever. And so, so that's the way wheat is threshed, and that's the way wheat is winnowed. And Gideon is doing the impossible. 
It makes no sense what he is doing. He's sitting down by a wine press and he's stomping wheat. He's got stalks of wheat down by the wine press. They're not on a flat surface. They're down by the wine press. They're all, they're all kind of crooked and, and bent up and, and he's got his oxen and the oxen aren't stomping on a flat surface. They're pounding on rocks and crevices and they're, and they're moving around on this wheat and it's not natural and it's not normal and nothing good is coming from it. And, and he, but he has no choice. If he goes to the mountaintop, the Midianites will see him. They'll attack him. They'll take his wheat. They'll steal from him. They'll destroy the increase. He has no choice but to thresh wheat down by the wine press. And, and you can only imagine the frustration. Any Anybody ever been spinning your wheels? Everybody ever felt like you're doing a lot but not getting very far with it? That's where Gideon was, frustrated, feeling like there's no use to this kind of a process because there are no wins down by the wine press. And there is no flat surface down by the wine press. And there, there's no room for the oxen to do their work down by the wine press. And I can throw stuff in the air, but nothing happens down by the wine press. But but he, he was still doing it. He was still stomping the wheat, throwing it in the air, doing what he could to thresh and winnow wheat that wasn't coming to anything day after day after day after day after day after day after day, after day until the angel of the Lord showed up. And when the angel of the Lord showed up, the angel of the Lord called to him and said, Gideon. And Gideon was like, yeah. And he said, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon thought, how many Gideons are there down here by the wine press? I thought he was talking to me. But then he said, mighty man of valor. How many Gideons we got down here? You mighty man of valor. I'm going to tell you what God considers to be a mighty man of valor. Somebody who keeps on keeping on. Somebody who doesn't stop. Somebody who persists. Somebody who perseveres. Somebody who says, there may not be a heavenly wind blowing right now, but I'm going to be faithful, 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 faithful. There might not be a flat surface of ideal circumstances, but I'm going to be faithful, 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 faithful. He said, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> he said, I see what you're doing down here, and I have come to you, and you're going you're gonna to do great things. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Gideon said, wait a minute. He said, if God is so great, where be all these miracles we hear about all the time? If God is so great, why haven't I seen God do any great things? I've been down here working my head off trying to stump this wheat and winnow this wheat, and I'm not getting anywhere fast. And do you know what's interesting, ladies and gentlemen? God didn't get offended. You know what, I, what I've told people? If you'll get real with God, God will become real to you. Praying these little patty cake prayers where you are trying to impress God, going through vain repetitions, that doesn't get you anywhere. But when you open up your soul and you cry out from the depth of who you are, and it may not be pretty, and it, and it might be border, it might be borderline audacious, and you may not, you may even fear to say it, but God already knows it's in your heart. What are you hiding? You really think God is going to hear you say, God, I have these questions, and be like, you do? You know. He 
already knows what questions you've got. He already knows what concerns you have. He already knows what doubts you're struggling with. He already knows what fears plague you. He already knows where your trouble spots are. Go ahead and be honest with God. Confess your faults to him. Open up your mouth and say, God, I, I, I need to say this in the, in the protection of this prayer closet. I'm struggling, Lord. I'm struggling to believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I'm struggling with fear. Give me faith to conquer fear. Lord, I'm struggling with doubt. God built me up with a holy confidence right now. You can be honest with God. And I'll go further. You should be honest with God. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your troubles. He will hear your faintest cry. I'm going to tell you something right now. My greatest moments of prayer with God, ladies and gentlemen, has been when I've been honest with him. And I didn't hide what was in my heart. And I just opened up my heart and said, all right, God, I don't understand this. That's what God hears. God does not pay attention to vain repetition. He hears the heart cry. If you've never heard his voice in your spirit, if you've never, if you've never felt the gentle nudge of God, it's because you have not cried out to him with your whole heart. Speak to him from the depth of who you are. And Gideon said, where be all the miracles? Why are we in the hands of the Midianites? Why are we in poverty? Where is the God of our fathers? It just poured out of him. And God didn't run and hide. God didn't say, oh, never mind. I was going to use you, but you got that attitude, so forget you. That's not what God did. God said, no, no, you're going to go in this thy might, and you're going to conquer the enemy. You're going to conquer the adversary. Woo! Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. Then Gideon started really getting honest. He said, I am from a poor family, and we are in the least of the tribes, Manasseh. I'm from Manasseh, the tribe Manasseh. I'm the, my family's poor, and I'm the least in all my father's house can't get more bottom than I am. I'm in this, one of the last tribes, poorest of the tribes, and the least in the poorest house of the least of the tribes. What, Gideon, are you talking to? But God saw something. God saw all that he needed to see. Uh, do you know God, do you know that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the earth? I said, do you know that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth and they're searching? One place said, I looked for an intercessor and found none. So my own arm brought me salvation. God is looking for somebody who will turn aside and look at the burning bush. God is looking for somebody who won't stop praying in Babylon and Medo-Persian Empire while the prince of Persia is withstanding 
quoting Gabriel. But Daniel kept praying, kept praying, kept praying, kept praying. God is looking for somebody who will walk around those walls of Jericho until the seventh day. God is looking for somebody who will build an ark to the very cubic inch that God has prescribed. God's looking for you. God's got his eyes on you. And I know the circumstances aren't ideal. I know things could be better. And I know you wish things would be better. And I know you wish you had more advantage. And I know you wish that if this would have happened, and if I wouldn't have made that dumb mistake, and if I would have done this or that or that or this, or you name it. But wherever you are, down by the wine. Tried to get up to the mountaintop, couldn't get up to the mountaintop. Tried to drag your weed up there, but you couldn't get up there. Tried, tried to live for God, but it's been a hardship. Tried to lead your family, but you run into one obstacle after another. Trying to have faith, but you're having trouble having faith. I don't know where you are. You may be down, hidden down by some wine press, but wherever you are, lay out those stalks of wheat. They may be all crooked and they may be uneven. These may have this surface may have dips and ditches. It might have crevices and divots. But go ahead and lay them out And get that team, that yoke of oxen And just let them just stomp clumsily All over the wheat Wherever you are It's not ideal, it's not pretty It doesn't look good, it doesn't look right It's Nothing's going to come from it I'll tell you what will come from it The angel of the Lord will show up in your life I said the angel of the Lord Will show up in your life Oh, Brother Urshan, I've never, I've never seen an angel. You don't know if you have or not. The Bible says to treat strangers well. Because a lot of people have entertained angels and didn't know they were entertaining angels. There have been some people, God help us, I hope we didn't, we didn't fail those tests. Some people you road raged against. Don't you know what a turning lane is? And it's an angel of the Lord driving a Honda Accord. Be careful how you treat strangers. You could be entertaining angels unawares. I'm going to tell you what God has sent messengers into our lives. He has dispatched ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation more than we will ever understand on this earth. Do you hear me? There are people that are sent into your life. I've had, I've had situations develop in my life. The only explanation could be that God had sent an angel to help me navigate those circumstances and then never see them again, never talk to them again, and the the folks that were there didn't even know that the other person was there. I've had those moments in my life. And I'll tell you why those moments happen for the people of God. It happens when you're faithful. Yeah. 
It happens when you're faithful. I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you're serving the Lord. I'm so glad you're worshiping his name. I'm so glad you're giving unto the Lord. Keep on. I know things aren't ideal. I know the circumstances aren't ideal. I understand that the surface isn't flat. Oh, man. Now, we could really have revival, couldn't we? If we had a nice little plateau on a pretty little mountain that had this beautiful little breeze coming off of the sea. Oh, man. We could have some revival if we could just get to that plateau. Well, guess what? I'm not waiting till we get to that plateau to thresh wheat. I'm going to have wheat by the wine press. My God. I wonder if there's somebody that will say, I'm going to have a move of God while I don't feel good. I'm going to have a move of God while my job isn't as it I want it to be. I'm going to have a move of God while my family is struggling. I'm going to have a move of God. Down by this wine press. Down by this wine press. Hallelujah. 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 Woo! No. No, I'm telling you, with the less ideal, the better. I know that conflicts with our thinking, but the less ideal, the better. It's not ideal to have 300 men to take on the Midianites, but that's the situation in which God can move. Ideal to have the Red Sea as part of the map to get to the promised land for a million plus people. But 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 that's how you'll know it's God who did it. It's God who did it. If you don't have a miracle as part of your plans, you need new plans. If you don't have a miracle as part of your plans, God didn't give you your plans because God's plans always include a miracle. Oh, I need somebody to hear me now. The miracle is not supposed to intimidate us. The need for a miracle is not supposed to intimidate us. God's plans are like, okay, you go here, you go there, you go here, you go there, and then you come here, and then I'm going to have to do something nobody's ever seen me do before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if that's not in our plans, then we need new plans because our plans came from man. If it doesn't include a miracle, there's always going to be a miracle in the plan of God. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His actions are greater than our actions. Glory, glory. One of the great accounts of the scripture occurs when the ark of God is being carried upon the backs of the oxen. That was not ideal. It was supposed to be carried by the priests. The priests were supposed to carry the ark of God. But, but when the ark comes back, it's the oxen that are carrying the ark of God. And, and, and you may recall, and if you don't, I'll share it with you. But if you do, there's this account in the scriptures where the ark of God is, is about to tip over. And it's the holy, sacred ark of God. And, and Yuza, a man that was accompanying the ark, looked over and saw the ark about to tip over. And it was unfathomable to him that the ark of God would be allowed to tip over. So he reached forth his hand 
we now know ill-advisedly, he reached forth his hand to steady the ark. And when he touched it, you're not supposed to touch it. That's why the, that's why the, the priests carry it on staves. They don't touch it. They're carrying it, lest they touch it, they're carrying it on staves. Yuza forgot all about the protocol, forgot all about the, 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 the command not to touch it. And because he thought, there's no way we can let this thing fall, he reaches out his hand, touches it, and dies. The Lord smites him, and he dies. It, it, was, it was so traumatic, David was like, whoa! I don't want anything to do with that thing. Lord, I don't know if anybody, any one of us can even be near it. Yuza's laying dead because the ark shook and he tried to steady the ark. But the Bible tells us why the ark shook. The ark shook because the oxen shook the cart. The oxen did it. And so, so why did the oxen shake the cart? The oxen shook the cart because they came to Nashon's threshing floor. And the oxen know what to do. When you come to the threshing floor. Now mind you, now mind you, there are no stalks of wheat on the threshing floor. There's no reason to stomp. But when you get to the threshing floor, stalks of wheat or no stalks of wheat, stomp that wheat. Stomp that wheat. But I don't see any wheat. Stomp it anyway. Stomp it anyway. But I don't see any reason to worship. Worship anyway. Worship anyway. But I don't see any reason to give God praise. Give him praise anyway. Give him praise anyway. Some of you have come to the threshing floor and it doesn't look like there's a reason to have faith and it doesn't look like there's a reason to keep believing. Have faith anyway. Keep believing anyway. My God, my God, God said leave them alone. Leave them alone. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. I don't know why they're dancing. Dance, dance, dance. I don't know why they're shouting. Shout, shout. Shout for the victory. Shout with the voice of triumph. Ah. Glory. You can stand with me. You can stand with me. Here. I know... There are people who have been down by the wine press for so long. And every time you think you're coming up to the mountain, something knocks you back down. And you're in these terribly less than ideal circumstances, crooked, crooked paths. and Nothing's right. Everything's wrong. You're down by the wine press, the wine depress, the wine oppress, the wine suppress. You're down by the wine press. And I've come to tell you, thresh wheat where you are. I'm going to tell you what will come of it. The angel of the Lord is going to show up. Keep on being faithful. Keep on praying. Keep on worshiping. Keep on sacrificing. Keep on loving. Keep on being kind. Keep on giving. Keep on keeping on. The 
the angel of the Lord is going to show up. Our musicians can come. The, the priest Zacharias walked into the temple. And when he walks in, it was his lot, his order in the priesthood to offer incense unto the Lord. That's what his lot was. But he was an old man, and he and his wife, Pastor Sizemore, he and his wife had prayed for so many years to have a baby. And that prayer went unanswered all those years. But his lot in the priesthood was to offer incense unto the Lord, which is praise. That's praise. That's symbolic of praise. And so Zacharias has to walk in with unanswered prayers and praise God. One more month goes by, no baby. Praise God. Another year goes by, no baby. Praise God. Praise God every day, every week, every month. Praise Him, praise Him. Praise Him. Unanswered prayers, praise God. Praise God. No fruit from His loins, praise God. Praise God. His wife going to bed at night crying, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God can do it, but nothing's happening. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And one day, when he was an old man, he's walking into the temple of the Lord. Years he spent praising God in the midst of unanswered prayers. But this day, there was something different about the temple furniture. There was an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar. of the Lord said, God's been watching you, how you come in and praise him every day and every week and every month and every year, in spite of your doubt, in spite of your fear, in spite of your pain. And the Lord is going to open up your wife's womb and give you a child. Brother Tierney, you blessed me this morning. I know what you've been going through. Saints of God know what you've been going through this last week, this last month, these last couple of months. Loss and sadness, and we miss our precious brother Charles Tierney Sr. But you walked into this house, hallelujah, and just sort of threshing wheat by the wine press. God is good, God is faithful. Oh, hallelujah. God is good and God is faithful. I wonder if there's somebody that can stomp your way to the altar today and say, God has been good to me. God has been faithful to me. I love him and I praise him. I'm going to tell you, angels are going to show up in your life. Angels are going to show up in your life. Come on, something's happening right now. Something's happening right now. That's it. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on worshiping. Keep on threshing wheat by the wine press. Woo, hallelujah. I know these aren't ideal circumstances we've been facing the last couple of years, but God has seen us. God has seen your heart. God has seen your determination. God has seen your faithfulness.
Yeah, 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 yeah. God has seen it. God sees you. God sees you. God sees you. God sees you. He's sending an
is moving among his people. God is moving among his people. Reach out to him and let him minister unto you the grace of God abundantly. Reach out unto him and let him minister to you the grace of God abundantly. Come on all across this house. Don't leave this place without hearing and feeling and touching God. Come on, that's it in the name of Jesus. That's it. Let the Lord speak to you. Let the Lord minister to you in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He's ordering. He's ordering. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's ordering. 